Yo. Yeah. 
studying the first five chapters of Daniel, and as we were singing or we were practicing this song, I just had to think of how Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived out this very testimony of that. It was the power of God. It was the glory of God. If you read through when Daniel would interpret the dreams for Nebuchadnezzar, how he would always point to God. It was not to himself in any way. It was always back to his God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did the same thing. They didn't say it was anything of themselves or any way that they were worthy of being saved from the fiery furnace. But they said, our God is willing. If he is willing, if he wants to, he can. But it was nothing to do with them. Their strong and mighty tower was in the name of God. People want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. But I know I like to stand to sing. Do this, I hold my sin. 
This song um, was my mom's, one of my mom's favorite songs, and um, she played it a lot and uh, sent it to all of us. And so it's, of course, even more special now that she's with Jesus. Um, and it's my dad's favorite one now because, and probably a lot of us, because we need Jesus to walk with us every day, um, especially in the last month we've needed Jesus to walk with us. And I'm so glad that he will walk with us through everything, through the unthinkable, through every high and every low. He will walk with us. All we need to do is just call out to him and hold his hand. darkest night when my world goes wrong will you make it right will you guide my lips in all I say will you walk with me every day when I'm tired and weak will you make me strong when my mind's confused will you
you have to wonder how much our different our Christian life would look if that was truly our cry every day. Are we still holding on to being in control? Or are we willing to say, Lord, you lead me. I'll walk with you. We've all seen that poem, Footprints in the Sand. He's willing. He's there for us. When we need him the most, that's when he wants to be there. He wants to be there every day and every minute. But we have to trust in him. We have to turn to him. We have to make a point of doing it. And that's where we can walk with him. You may be seated. I think Pat has children's lesson. Children, come forward. Um, quick question before I read this story to you all. Do you guys know what holiday we just celebrated? Valentine's? Yes, we did. And do you, yeah. do you know what we celebrate on Valentine's? Valentine's? Yeah, but what is Valentine's about? also about the guy Valentine's, but do you know why we celebrate Valentine's? Ah, uh, that's, that's Christmas. That's Christmas. What do we celebrate Valentine's Day? What do we celebrate on Valentine's Day? You don't know? No, okay, that's fine. Here, do you want to sit down? Uh, okay, so... Me, what I think we celebrate on Valentine's Day is we celebrate how special someone is to us and how much we love them. So, I just, do you guys know how special you are? Yes. Yeah. How special are you to your parents? How special? You don't know? Okay. So, I just want you to be thinking about when I'm reading this story is... How special you are to God and to your parents. So I decided to get out the Max Licato books again because I grew up with these books and they're just really good stories to always read. Okay. If you guys want, you can scoot in closer so we can see. Okay. Wimmicks were small wooden people. All of the wooden people were carved by a woodmaker named Eli. His workshop sat on a hill overlooking their village. Each Wimmick was different. Some had big noses, others had large eyes, some were tall, and others were short. Some wore hats, others wore coats, but all were made by the same carver and all lived in the village. And all day, every day, the Wimmicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. Each Wemmick had a box of golden star stickers and a box of gray dot stickers. Up and down the streets all over the city, people spent their day sticking stars and dots on one another. The pretty ones, those with smooth wood and fine paint, always got stars. But the wood, but if the wood was rough or the paint chipped, the Wemmicks gave dots. The talented ones got stars. Some could lift big sticks high above their heads. Others could jump over tall boxes. Others knew really big words or could sing pretty songs. Everyone gave them stars. Some Wemmicks had stars all over them. 
Every time they got a star, it made them feel so good. It made them want to do something else and get another star. Others, though, could do little. They got dots. Punchinello was one of those. He tried to jump high like the others, but he always fell. And when he fell, the others would gather around and give him dots. Sometimes when he fell, his wood got scratched, so the people would give him more dots. Then when he would try to explain why he fell, he would say something silly, and, and they would give him more dots. After a while, he had so many dots that he didn't want to go outside. He was afraid that he would, he, just like, he would do something dumb, such as forget his hat or step in the water. That is another one of the limits. This one's Punchinello. And then the people would give him another dot. In fact, he had so many great dots that some people would come up and give him a dot for no reason at all. He, de he deserves a lot of dots, though, when people would agree with one another. He's not, he's not a good wooden person. After a while, Punchinello believed them. I'm not a good wimp, he said. The few times he went outside, he would hang around other women who had a lot of dots. He felt better around them. One day, he met a woman who was unlike any he had ever met. She had no dots or stars. She was just a, she was just wooden. Her name was Lucy. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her stickers. It's just that the stickers didn't stick. Some of the women admired Lucy for having no dots, so they would run up to her and give her a star, but it would just fall off. Others would look down on her for having no stars, so they'd give her a dot, but it wouldn't stay either. That's the way I want to be, thought Punchinello. I, want, I don't want anyone's marks. So he asked, so he asked Lucy how, how she did it. It's easy, Lucy replied. Every day I go to see Eli. Who's Eli, he asked. The Eli, the woodcarver. I sit in his workshop with him every day. Why? Why, he asked. Why? Why don't you go find out yourself? Go up the hill. He's there. And with that, the women with no stickers turned away, turned and skipped away. But will he want to see me? Punchinello cried out. Lucy didn't hear. So Punchinello went home. He sat near a window and watched the wooden people as they scurried around, giving each other stars and dots. It's not right, he muttered to himself, and he decided to go see Eli. He walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and stepped into a big workshop. His wooden eyes widened as, at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. He had, he had to stretch on his tiptoes to see the top of the workbench. A hammer as long as his arm. Punchinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here, he said. He turned to leave. Then he heard his name. Punchinello. The voice was deep and strong. Punchinello stopped. Punchinello, how good to see you. Come, let, let me look at you. Punchinello turned slowly and looked at a large, bearded craftsman. You know my name, he said? Of course I do. I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on the bench. The maker, hmm, the maker spoke softly as he looked at the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I don't mean to, Eli. I try really hard. Oh, you don't have to be, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't, I don't care what the other women think. You don't? No, and you shouldn't either. Who, who, are, 
Who are they to give you stars or dots? These wimmicks are just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think, and I think you are pretty special. Punchinello laughed. Me? Special? Why am I special? I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My paint is peeling. So why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello, put his hands on the small wooden on his small wooden shoulders and spoke very softly. Because you're mine, that's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Every day I have been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know, she told me about you. Why, why don't the sticker stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What, said Punchinello? The stickers only stick if the stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their about the stickers. I'm not sure I understand, Punchinello said. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You got a lot of marks. For now, just come to see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Punchinello Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, said said Eli, as the women walked out the door, you are special because I made you, and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. So do you guys know who Eli is? You don't know who Eli is? So this in this story, the Wemmicks are the people of the world. Eli is God, our maker. And going through life, people will give you a dot or a star for no reason at all. But it shouldn't matter to us what other people think, just so long as we believe on what God thinks about us. So did any of you think about how special you are to God? Very special. Okay, a uh, quick question. Do you guys know how long it took? I'll give you an example. Do you know how long it took God to create the entire universe? Six days. Six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. So it took him one week to make the entire universe. Do you know how long it took him to make you? You don't know? It took God one week to make the entire universe, but to make each and every one of you, he took 39 weeks. So in the time that he made you, he could have made another 39 universes. But he decided to make you instead because that's how special you are to him. So, all right. So next time, next time, if you guys think that you're not special, just remember that God made you instead of 39 more galaxies. So, all right. Where are the smarties here? I got some smarties for you.
Yes, I'm on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, glad to have the, uh, the visitors here with us today. It's awesome to, uh, to have you here. Uh, Addie, Aaron, and Schroeders, and Chilton back, and Matt. So, yeah, it's good to see you guys here. Um, our door greeter back there, I was like kind of anticipating to see what what our, our pamphlets will be today. And it's like for the last few weeks, I just like, it just kind of been hitting me how the Lord's kind of what I've been going through that very week. And I picked this up. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> and so, yeah, it just, again, this morning, uh, it is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And um, and that's the truth. And I just talking, brother. Here is like we're all humans. We all have our ups and downs, and uh, we all have our moments. And heard from one of my, uh, actually, uh, one of my my family members and my nephew is like, life just not fair, and he's going through some health issues and different things. And I'm like, well, life really isn't fair, in a sense, in our human minds. But this is a promise that God is, his faithfulness is new every day to us. Please hang around. There's a fellowship meal prepared here afterwards, so feel free to hang around, please, and enjoy that time with us. Um, the Saturday morning prayer that's at 7 o'clock. Um, and also, just a reminder, I know some of you men being involved with the, uh, the book that been going through the heart of a warrior. It's scheduled for the, the 28th at John's house. Also, in regards to the resource center at the gala coming up, uh, I think I understand the tables are booked. But those who are um, planning on attending, put that on your calendar for Thursday, March the 7th, and um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you there as well. Um, I was just thinking it's uh, kind of interesting. I'm not sure who all of the youth are going with the Hershey's this week to Thailand, but it is uh, interesting. A few of you are here at least anyway, but um, I think it'd be good if all of us just kind of remember them in prayer over the next couple of weeks as they travel. And um, I know for youth, I have never been out of the country. So probably with the youth and stuff, and you know, being their first time, I know it can be exciting time, but a time of uncertainty. Um, but yeah, that Lord just uh, keep, keep their watch over them. Um, yeah, absolutely. I want to just bow our head for a word of prayer and for uh, Hershey's and the youth that are traveling and, and also for Brother Phil. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your mercies again this morning. Lord, I just thank you for your mercies and for your love and your goodness to us. Father, I just want to lift up, to lift up the Hershey family and the youth that are traveling this week to Thailand. Lord, I just pray you go before them paved the way for them. Lord, I just pray that you'd keep your angels around them, each of them, with the youth or whoever the first trip out of the country. Lord, I just pray that 
you just give them a sense of peace and joy in their hearts. Lord, as they um, share your word and as they serve to, um, to the young children or whoever's over there, Lord, I just pray that you would bless them very deeply and richly. I also just want to lift up our brother Phil to you as he brings the word this morning. Open our hearts, Father. Open our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we can hear from you and um, that we can apply um, your word to our hearts. And in this coming week, we just thank you again for your faithfulness. We ask this in your name. Amen. You can bring up that photo, guys. <clears throat> this is a young family that I met a few years ago, a couple years ago in Australia. And uh, they, they go to the church there in Brisbane that we elders fellowship together uh, regularly throughout the months. <clears throat> Sebastian and Adina and their two children. And back in November... Um, they got hit head-on by a drunk driver. And their little girl, three, year, three years old, Emma, who Sebastian is holding, is paralyzed. First it was from her waist down, and now through therapy she has movement down to her knees, but the doctors have kind of surrendered and said, that's as far as she'll ever go. And so he called me this past week, he and his wife, both on the phone in the hospital, and it was one of those moments in his life when he was just... You know, surrendering. It was hard. He said, how can I take my precious little girl and surrender the rest of her life to this, to the wheelchair? And he was really struggling with this whole concept, Patrick, that you talked about. God isn't fair. Or Dave, you, you shared. And, uh, and as, as I shared with them and prayed with them, I said, we're going to keep continuing to pray for you. Uh, the, Jesus is a much greater than the doctors and he can touch her and heal her speak a word and she can walk he's done that to hundreds and hundreds of people as he walked on the earth and since then but he's also greater than that he can give you her grace he can give them grace he may have a purpose in a ministry for her paralyzed body that is greater than physical healing and so whatever his will is Let's pray together for them. Our Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus Christ. And again this morning, Lord, we lift up Sebastian, Adina, and their sweet children, especially Emma's little body. And as they are there in the hospital, Lord, still going through therapy, and then, Lord, you know how the battle rages in our hearts and the cries of Job's words spring out of our own Lord, out of our own hearts, sometimes like an artesia well, they just gush out and we don't know where they all came from. But, oh Lord, I pray that you would encourage them today. Let your new mercies be over them again. Fill them with your purpose and your grace. And touch little Emma's body and heal her. Give her grace, Lord Jesus, to be the vessel of honor you have created for them to be. And to help to realize that this is not a mistake. It wasn't out of your control. 
It's all in your plan for their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You can turn your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going through the book of Colossians together. And as we walk through this book, the Lord has been putting this word on my heart for um, all the, probably a two months or so, and maybe longer than that. But it's been, in a special way, just brewing in my heart. And it's interesting when oftentimes I, the Holy Spirit begins to lead me into a word, and, and He reveals some deep things to me, and, and then He like pushes the hold button. And then he takes us through an experience of that word. Has he ever done that with you? And that's what the Lord has done in this word to me. There's a couple months ago where the Lord really began to put this word in my heart. And, and then the Lord put a pause on it. And he took us through mom's death. Mom's glorious death and her resurrection. And that into walking through that pain in a fresh way again and through the, the mixture. It's this strange, glorious mixture of earthly pain and heavenly gain. You know that? Earthly pain, brokenheartedness and disappointment and shock and all, as I call it. God's shock and awe in my heart. And yet, it's glorious gain. And there's so much joy in the suffering that you can't even put it into words. But there's a greater joy in the suffering that comes from a willing heart. A choice that you make to follow Jesus. That's what I'd like to share with you today. It's not God's shock and all. It includes that. But it comes... From a simple choice of you and I being obedient to the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's this word. And I've been pondering this word and it's, I tell you, honestly, I'm sharing this word out of the struggle of my own life. I'm still wrestling with, I feel like I'm still with Jacob wrestling with God. And God hasn't put my hip out of joint yet. There's still too much strength in my heart. And so as I share this, I'm sharing it out of my own weakness. John Piper said it this way. If you live gladly to make others glad in God, your life will be hard. Your risk will be great. And your joy will be full. Is that your life? If you live gladly to make others glad in God, your life will be hard. Your risk will be great. And your joy will be full. Your life will be fulfilled, I add. Verse 24 of Colossians chapter 1. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh I do my share. On behalf of his body, the church, 
Not just this local church, the church of Jesus Christ in the world. I do my share on behalf of His body, which is the church, in filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Did you know there is a lack of Christ's afflictions in the world today and He wants to fill that lack up through you, through your sufferings and afflictions. He wants to fill that lack, that cup, with joy and let it overflow. Of this church, verse 25, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God. Bestowed on me for your benefit. I'm going to change this up. Of this church, you put your name in there. Make it personal. This is Paul writing, but he's writing it and God wrote it down so that every Christian would find his name written in the book. This word. And would be able to experience the glory of this suffering. Of this church, you were made a minister according to the stewardship from God. Bestowed on you for others' benefit. The church. So they profit from your life. That means if you get out your wallet and you give money to someone else, you went into the deficit. It owed you now to give to them. That's what's going on here. God gives you a stewardship. God deposits His grace into your life. God deposits His Holy Spirit and a revelation of His Word into your life. And you pass it on. You don't keep it. In fact, you do more than pass it on. It causes a deep suffering, pain in your life. So others profit. Bestowed on me for your benefit that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the ages. No one in the old covenant understood this word. It was hidden from them. Many, a few... Of all the multitudes who lives under the old covenant, they prophesied of it. They spoke of it through the Holy Spirit. But they couldn't fill up Christ's sufferings because he had not yet come and been the firstborn, raised from the dead, the first one to be crucified on the cross for the penalty of other men's sins. He who had no sin became sin for me. That had never been done before by anyone. There had been many men who laid down their life for God. There had been many men who in obedience, like Abraham, went out not knowing where he was going, lived in faith, believed in a promise that he was going to be a father to many nations, but only had one son. Actually, seven He had six with Keturah, but one son of promise. There had been many prophets who, I'm going to show you in the word, were driven by the Spirit.
spirit to speak the word of God, but there had not been one person ever born of a woman who took on another person's sins and died for that penalty. And then didn't stay in the grave, but rose from the grave through the power of the Holy Spirit, wrecked the devil. He wrecked him. Conquered sin in his flesh. That had never happened. But now, now it's true. And now he wants to do that in you. Every day of your life. And in me. This. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but now has been manifested to his saints, not just to his preachers. Dear child of God, to you, the moment you are born of the Spirit, this mystery unfolds like a flower of truth in your heart. And you smell the roses. You smell the fragrance of Jesus Christ. The moment you're born again, This becomes your living purpose. Christ, which is Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we proclaim him, all of us together. We come under this one proclamation. That word proclaim is, it has the, it has the the meaning of raising the flag. We raise the flag over my life. What flag is flying over your life? The star-spangled banner? Well, I hope that goes well for you. But I don't think that flag's going to be flying in heaven. Are you going to be hanging your head on that day? Or will Jesus Christ, that flag, be raised over your life on that day? For that flag to be raised over your life, that name to be proclaimed over your life, then it must be today, now, or it won't be then. And whatever your purpose or goal of life is, if it's for an earthly kingdom now, it was all going to pass away. And you may be one of those people in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where you will be saved by your faith, but that's all you got. No testimony will follow you into glory. No flag. Flagless Christians, I call them. People who don't proclaim him, not just with their lips, with their life, with the things they do. Proclaims Jesus every day. When I get up in the morning, I'm proclaiming Jesus to my family. But before they even wake up, I'm proclaiming Jesus to the demons that have been awake all night. To the world, the spiritual world in heavenly places. When we go to bed, we lift the flag. The glorious flag of Jesus Christ. Great is thy faithfulness. And we proclaim him, admonishing every man. No one's exempt. But you and I make those exemptions all day long. Do you not? When you're walking down the sidewalk, do you exempt the person coming at you from proclaiming Christ? When you're driving down the street, 
and someone drives up beside you. Do you proclaim Christ in the way you drive, in the way you walk to your customers in the business place? Or do you make a lot of exceptions to this? Well, not every man, Jesus. That's not quite, you didn't mean that. Let me, a few people, maybe one a month. That's good. Okay. One a month, huh? That's not what the Holy Spirit's purpose is. The Holy Spirit is saying, every man, every person deserves your proclamation of Jesus in their life to see your flag. Every person who knows you, who you meet. Every man and teaching every man. There's not just the raising of the flag. They ask you, what's the hope of your purpose in your heart? Why are you raising this flag? And you can tell them. And teaching every man with all wisdom. And here's the purpose. It's not about you. This suffering that you and I are going to experience when we obey that word, when it fulfills its word in my life, is about saving another soul, giving them a flag. We proclaim this hymn and admonish every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man completing Christ. That's the goal. Not for me. It's not about you and me. It's about proclaiming the gospel for another soul that they may find their complete purpose in Jesus Christ as well. And for this purpose, I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. For I want you to know how great, chapter 2, verse 1, a struggle I have on your behalf. I'm telling you, dear child of God, you know this is true. You're going to live this life. It's going to be a the struggle of your life. It's going to be the struggle of your heart and your mind. Every person you meet will become a struggle. Every person you meet, this struggle will happen here and here. You're willing to engage into that struggle? Are you? Where are the volunteers? I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. And for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face, these were people he hadn't even met, but he had heard of them through Epaphras. That their hearts may be encouraged. Here's the struggle. Oh, Lord, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from this full assurance of understanding Christ, resulting in a true knowledge of this mystery, God's mystery, the gospel. That is Christ himself. Has anyone ever asked you, about that struggle in your heart, this fight of faith you're fighting.
if you want to give them this beautiful mystery, this amazing, glorious mystery of Christ himself, it's going to be a struggle. And you see, that's where it breaks down so many of us. Don't engage because of the struggle, because of the fellowship of the struggle, the suffering it causes in my heart. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I say this in order that no one may delude you with persuasive arguments. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit. That young couple, we're absent in body. You don't know them, but you can, and you can engage, and you did this morning. I invited you to engage into that suffering for them. To engage into the struggle of their faith. Through prayer. Even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, of each other, Christ's prisoners. Now, Paul is talking about a physical prison, but there is more to this truth Because many of God's children are prisoners. Prisoners to their flesh. Prisoners to their business. Prisoners to their spirit. To their relationships of other people. They are imprisoned by their own pride. They are prisoners of sin. Or of other people. They are prisoners. Will you be ashamed of your fellow Christians who are imprisoned? Or will you break that spirit of timidity? Break it! Let the Holy Spirit break that strength in your life and set you free with the power and love and discipline of the Holy Spirit. And not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. I meet so many Christians who are ashamed of the church that they don't go to church anymore. They're ashamed of the preachers so they don't associate with them anymore. They're ashamed of their dad and mom so they won't have anything to do with them anymore. (laughs) What a shame. What a victory the devil is winning in our homes and in our churches. Because we're ashamed of each other as prisoners. But join with me. In suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Fulfilling this word, Romans chapter 15. Have you fulfilled this word? Has it lived itself out in your life? 
Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just to please ourselves. Let each of us, every one of us, please his neighbor for his good to the edification, his edification. Let each of us please our neighbor, the the person right beside you. Your wife, your daughter, your son, your friend, your neighbor. Are you seeking to please them for their good, for their edification? You will suffer for their sake if you please them this way. I don't, Paul is not speaking, the Holy Spirit is not telling us to become men pleasers. We are taking this upon ourselves. For even as Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached thee fell upon me. That's what fellowship does. You willing to have that fellowship with your dad? You willing to have that fellowship with your wife? Your children? When they make you ashamed in front of everybody? Sometimes our boys say, Dad, I was kind of ashamed of you. My answer is, glory! I'm glad you were. I live for that. That kind of fellowship. For whatever was written in earlier time was written for our instruction. That through perseverance and the encouragements of Scripture, we may have hope. Taking on Other people's reproach upon ourselves is one of the sufferings that is missed, is minimalized in many Christians' lives. They don't know anything about this suffering. They've never done it. They've never tasted of it. And so when Paul is speaking to the church at Colossae and he's speaking to us this morning about taking on and filling up the afflictions of Christ and suffering in my life, I was like, what? What? I don't even know what that means. Yeah, you don't, unless you do. You don't, unless you do. Unless you begin to follow Christ this way. You never will. Your Christian life will never, never be this. Living gladly to make others glad in God. Your life will be easy. Because it's all about you. I mean, there'll be a lot of difficulties. But the devil won't come against you. He'll let you alone in most cases. You'll experience life just like the rest of the world. But you won't know what it means to suffer for others. Gladly. To make a difference. To take on their reproach. To embrace their weaknesses. Embrace them. Identify with them. Instead, we separate ourselves from those who are weak and we put them in Christian asylums, special needs category Christians. They need therapists. I can't help them. I'm going to come and worship God with the saints. I'm going to hang around strong families. One brother once told me, you'll never build a church out of a community. You'll never build a church by going witnessing for Jesus Christ on the streets. You need strong families. 
That's how you build a church. Gather people together with like-minded convictions. And then you'll have a strong church. I dare to differ. I dare to differ because of God's word gives me a dare to differ with that statement. I don't believe a word of it. That's not how Jesus built his first church. Tell me. Did Jesus go to the scribes and Pharisees to build his church? Where did he go? The poor, the wilderness, the tax collectors and sinners, the poor fishermen, the unlearned, and those he commissioned with the gospel. We think we're better than him? No, you know what we do? We build clubs of righteous people that have very little impact on their neighbors they live with or their community. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was granted us in Christ Jesus for all eternity, but has now been revealed by the appearing of Savior, by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality, never dying spirit. That's what that word means. People who are never going to die We don't like to talk about that. We talk about people who die. Because people die every day. But he that believes in him will never die. Bring that to life. Let's have that with our conversation. Let's relate to each other as people who will never die. But will be spending all eternity together. For all eternity. Who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. That means he turns on the light. Now you can see two things in your life. Immortality and life through the gospel. For this reason, you were appointed a preacher. Oh, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Oh, I'm just a... You have been called to this purpose, to proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord to every person. Paul says earlier in Romans, he says, Owe no man anything except one thing that we owe to every person. And he says it in his own testimony. This is who I am. I owe every person the gospel and love. To share the gospel of love with them. For this reason, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. And all three of us have that appointment given to us by God. He's making it today if you haven't had it before. He's appointing you. Tell me, which of the disciples missed this appointment? 
Judas. Now, do you want to miss it? Now the others missed it. They didn't miss disappointment. An apostle is one who starts something. You start a good work by sowing the seed of the word of God in someone's heart. Just speaking the word into someone's life. Tell you a story of this guy, and this just comes to my mind now. He was in the city of uh, Sydney, Australia. I think... um, can't think of his name right now. The evangelist who goes out in colleges and preaches a lot from Australia. What's his name? He wrote a lot of tracts, little tracts to give out. Huh? Great comfort. Thank you. I think he shares his story. This guy who lived on a busy street, busy sidewalk. And if you've been to Sydney, you know it's, it's a lot like our old cities. There, there are sections there where it's just... The sidewalk is there and it's it's like row houses, just house, 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 house. And the front door opens right out onto the sidewalk. And he lived in one of those row houses. And the Lord called him to just, when the morning rush came, as a lot of people were going down the sidewalk, he'd just open his door and give someone a track. Open his door and give someone a track. Open his door and give someone a track. And he did this for years. And at times he was discouraged, thinking, why why is God, like, causing me, encouraging me to do this and convicting me to do this. And, but years later, I think as the story goes, I am probably butchering this story, but you can Google it. Or Many, many souls were born again from that man's ministry and brought to the kingdom of Jesus Christ just by giving them a little track. You can do that. Started a work in somebody. All of us have been called to this discipleship where we are called to go and make disciples of all men. Apostle starts something, but then you don't walk off. An apostle, a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. I can't teach. Can you read? If you can read, you can teach. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. Have you embraced this suffering in your life? I tell you, until you do, your Christian life will suffer. You either embrace this suffering, you and I either take up our cross, this cross, and we embrace this suffering, and we fill up those sufferings which are lacking in Christ's body in the world today by engaging in the work that His Holy Spirit has come to do in these last days, or we suffer for it. You can't escape it. You either be an Apostle Paul, or you're going to be a Jonah. I don't want to be any of them, you might say. Can I just, can I just you know, sit in the pew and sing a song and hide in the multitude? It's okay, man. I'm just a brother here. Do I have to be that? Do you, many, do you know how many Saturday nights I weep and cry because I don't want to do this? I don't. Not a bone in my body wants to do that. I don't want to be a fool in front of you. I have often in this ministry 
begged God in the struggle of this suffering, Lord, can I just be a normal guy? And the Lord said, what does that look like? What are you actually asking me about? What do you want? Normal guy? What does that look like? You want to be a Christian or not? Hmm? Yeah, but just a normal Christian. Oh, you should read Watchman Nee's The Normal Christian Life. You see, what we think is normal has become the most abnormal Christian that the world has ever seen. We Western Christians are not, we don't even fit with that crowd. Most of us don't. Those who shed their blood proclaiming Jesus Christ, who have gone to the stakes singing the glories of heaven, those who have been in the prisons groaning under the beatings they get and shedding their blood, what will you say when you meet them? What will you say? Will you have fellowship with them or not? You see, I don't have to shed a drop of my blood to have fellowship with them, my physical blood, though I'm quite willing to do that. I can share in the inner sufferings of this suffering of Jesus Christ, and you can too every day. Living gladly to make others glad in God. Your life will be hard. He will make a fool out of you. The risk will be great, but your joy will be full. I'll tell you a little secret in case you think I love to preach. Some people think I do. What they don't know is that after I'm done preaching, every Sunday when you go home, I'm here weeping on the floor because of what I said to you or what I didn't say. Because this is all written down. And I'm not preaching to you. I'm doing it for the audience of one. And he's going to judge me for every word. Don't many of you be teachers because they will receive the greater judgment, James says. I feel that weight on my heart for every one of you. With this deep desire of my heart that I may proclaim him so I can present you all before his throne of grace complete in Christ. Not in me, not in anything else, only in Jesus. And when you get that burden, when that, when that responsibility, that call comes to you like Jesus did when he walked past those fishermen or past Matthew the tax collector, when he walks by your house at night in your bed and you hear that call, when you're in the office and he walks past you, when you're in your truck and he drives past you, rolls down his window and says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. When you hear that call, you know it. You know, right here. And that moment, we will either be Jonas or Apostle Paul's. You will either say with Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 26, before King Agrippa, verse 14, and when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Oh, it is. You know that hardness? I do. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? 
And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Why was he persecuting Jesus? He didn't think he was. But arise and stand on your feet. Notice how Jesus speaks to him. He doesn't berate him and condemn him for persecuting the church. He does not condemn him. He invites him to follow him. He invites him to a new life. But arise, stand on your feet. For this purpose I appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness. That word minister simply means a servant. You have now been appointed as a server. You didn't think you were a server, but you are. Serving the word of Christ to those around you. And a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which I will appear to you, delivering you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, in order that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. That's our mission. Your commission. Every one of us. Consequently, King Agrippa, Paul says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And there he was, suffering because of that commission. Gladly. Or you'll be a Jonah. When you hear God's call today, right now, you're going to walk out these doors and make a decision. Not me, Lord. I'm too insignificant. Maybe you'll do like Moses did in Exodus chapter 4. God appeared to Moses. He was just out shepherding the sheep. He had been doing that for 40 years. He was 80 years old now. I think he thought he was going to die shepherding sheep, don't you? He was safe, away from Egypt, away from Israel, away from the slavery. He had a good life, a wife, a couple children. He knew what his life was going to be, shepherding the sheep. He did it for 40 years. One day, there's a bush on fire. What's going on? It's not being consumed. And a voice speaks to him. God speaks to him. And he answers God this way when God says, I want to send you. Oh, Lord, not, not me. Not me, Lord. And the Lord says, yes, you. I, but, Lord, I can't talk. Have you read that in Exodus? If you say you can't talk, the Lord knows how to take care of that problem. He's going to send your brother to you. You want to work with your brother? That's what happened to Moses. And the Lord said to him, Who has made, verse 11, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. Did not Jesus say the same? When you stand before the councils, 
Don't premeditate what you ought to say. I will put a word in your mouth when you need it. Don't be anxious. Trust me, I'm going to be with you. Moses' answer was, Please, Lord, please. Please, Lord, send the message by whoever thou wants. Whoever you choose, Lord. Not me. And the Lord. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled, burned against Moses. And he said, Is not your brother Aaron coming to meet you? Now go. Moses did go. And many times that is our experience. Or sometimes it's like Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 3, you can read Ezekiel's response. Sometimes this is my response. And I say, oh God, I'm like Ezekiel. Ezekiel said, when the word of the Lord came to him, the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he, in the bitterness of his spirit, he went and spoke to the captives in Babylon the word that God had not only written, prepared for Israel, but for you and me today. Aren't you glad for the book of Ezekiel? Or maybe you're like Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. And the Lord, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says, I can't talk either. They all said the same thing. So guess what? If you're sitting here thinking the same thing, or you're intimidated by that, you're in good company. So did every one of his prophets. So did they all. But God isn't held back by that. He still invites us to go. But if we refuse to go, we do become like Jonah. But did God use Jonah or not? He did. Do you want the Jonah experience? God, through circumstances, puts the fear of God into your heart. And you'd rather die in a whale's belly or in a big fish. We call it a whale, but the Bible says it was a big fish. Maybe it was a shark. Or go and preach to Nineveh, to your neighborhood, to your co-workers. You know the lesson about Jonah is this. Jonah didn't die happy. He did God's work, but not gladly. He did so because he was scared for his life. But he died a bitter person. That's the last that we know. This prophet Jonah died angry. He set out beside the city after they had repented. And he was angry that the Lord had raised up a little gourd to give him some shade and then the gourd died and he was angry about that. And I'll tell you what the Lord has said to me in my life and what the Lord is saying to you in your life. If you won't take on this suffering, if you won't come when I invite you to be my disciple, to make disciples and become a fisher of men, you will be angry. You will live in frustration for the rest of your days. You'll be frustrated. Instead of living gladly to make others glad in God, enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Your risk will be high, but oh, how exciting. Would you like to have traveled with Apostle Paul? Yes or no? Any volunteers? I've seen on my Facebook page that someone is doing a, 
a, a read trip, a, a traveling along Paul's journey. And it reminded me of this because Brother Eli just texted me and said they're in, they're in, in Greece right now. And, and they just got there and, and they're, they're seeing all these names of cities that you read in the Bible. And Athens is there and, and all these different places where Paul preached the gospel, where he suffered for the gospel. That's not what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. He is asking you to retrace the experience of Jesus Christ in Paul. Follow me as I follow Christ. Paul's invitation is there to every one of us. The Holy Spirit says. Consequently, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. But kept declaring, verse 20, both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea, even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Oh, and for this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. And so, having obtained help from God, I stand this day testifying to you both small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets, what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place. And what Jesus declared, who he is, and invited us into that journey with him. Watchman Nee. You guys have heard of Watchman Nee? This is a really good book for you to read. I've read it years ago. Someone gave it to me. I think I've given it out. Someone says, gave it to me um, for one of my birthdays. Watchman Nee has inspired my life from the time I heard my dad preaching about this man as a little boy in the church. And when I was young in my Christian life, the Lord led me to read, begin to read his his. His works, and he actually only wrote one book called The Spiritual Man, but other people have taken books like this and have compiled his sermons. And back then they didn't have tape recorders, so people would write it in shorthand and they would sit. Some people in the audience would sit and they would write everything he said. It'd be like you'd be sitting here and you'd just be writing down word for word pretty much what I'm saying. And then later someone copies it down and compiles numerous different sermons that he gave throughout his life. And this man inspires me because I remember reading one of his biographies called Against the Tide by Norman Grubb. And maybe you haven't heard of Norman Grubb, but you should get to know him. He was C.T. Studd's son-in-law. Now, maybe you haven't heard of C.T. Studd, but you should get to know him because he took the gospel to China and to Africa back in the 1800s. And, and the Lord did an amazing work in those days, and he suffered deeply for it. Norman Grubb recorded and knew Watchman Nee personally when the revival came in the early 1900s in China. And not only the revival, but the Boxer Revolution came with it. And then World War II broke out and the Japanese came with it and killed and slaughtered hundreds and thousands of Christians and Western missionaries in China. And Watchman Nee grew up in the middle of all of that and, and the Lord called him to preach when he was a young man about 18 years old and he was still in college. And he was, he was like me. He was like Ezekiel. He was like Amos. Have you read in Amos? When the king said, hey, get out of here. Don't preach the gospel in Israel. Go back to Judah from where you are. He said, I'm just a shepherd boy. I'm, I'm not a great preacher. 
I must say what the Lord has put in my heart to say. Watch him knee was like that. And he and a few other young men began to go and preach the gospel to their college mates and, the, and the, on college campuses. And, and the Lord began to bring a revival in China. And in those days and through World War II, they were, the, the Japanese were just killed the Chinese ruthlessly. And in the middle of all that, he preached the gospel from village to village. He, they went and, and the Lord began to raise up a church in China over those years. And for, let's see, he was about 20 years old. I think he was in his 50s when he was finally imprisoned after World War II. And the, and the communists, the Red Army took over. And they looked at this guy and they said, let's lock him up. Let's kill him all. And they killed many, many Christians and tried to put the church into non-existence in, in in China. And they locked him up. And he was in prison for 20 some years. And after a while. His, his, the testimony of his life. Came to the western world. And many Christians in the United States. Got together and began to petition the Chinese government. Release him. Release this man. And China said. Hey watchman. You can go. You're free. He was 70 years old at that point. As I recall. Only this, you must go to America. We'll let you free, but not in China. You must go to America. They petition for your freedom. Go. And this is the word he gave it to his captors. In Hebrews chapter 11, he gave them this word. Verse 35. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. He said, no. Unless you release me to China where I've been called to preach, I will not accept. I will not go. And so they killed him. He said these words. We as workers of the Lord ought to know why the gospel we, fe- we preach fails to gain more followers. What you and I have is all too often mere eloquence of words. There's no power behind the spoken word that cuts to the heart. We should not strive to be orators praised by the people. We ought to be mere channels through which his life will flow into human hearts. To preach the cross is relatively easy. But to be a crucified person, preaching the cross, is not the easy way. A person who desires to preach the cross should adopt the way of the cross. So often we preach, so often what we preach is indeed the cross. But our attitudes, our words, and our feelings do not seem to bear witness To what we preach. This is because much of the preaching of the cross. Is not done in the spirit of the cross. Only a crucified person preaches the message of the cross. In the spirit of the cross. If you live gladly. To make others glad in God. Your life will be a cross of Matthew chapter 9. If anyone wants to follow me, take up his cross. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 9. Matthew 16 and Luke chapter 9. 
where Jesus said, if you want to follow me. Anybody? Any volunteers? Who wants to follow Jesus this morning? Who wants to follow Jesus this morning? Oh, here you go. Only it doesn't look this pretty. It's an old rugged cross. And guess who's going to hang on it? You. John Piper puts it this way. It's easy for us to preach of the cross because we have no idea how sick the cross is. Have you ever seen anyone crucified? It would make you puke. They're nothing but a piece of bloody meat hanging on a piece of wood. They whip them so badly you can't even recognize their face. That's what they did with Jesus. That's what the Romans did to everyone they crucified. And then they put him up on a hill for everybody to walk past and mock and spit at. They were criminals in front of the whole world, their world. Any volunteers to be a criminal and hang on that cross and suffer that kind of humiliation and suffering? John Piper puts it this way. Any volunteers for the electric chair? Any volunteers? We're talking about death here. A horrible gruesome death that if you were to see with your eyes would make you puke and sick to your stomach you couldn't handle it you probably would faint we don't know what the cross is you want to follow me take up your cross in fact unless you take up your cross you cannot be my disciple Unless you and I share in the sufferings of Christ for others' sake, not yours. You're not dying for your sins. You live the good Christian life. You obey God, and now this happens. That happens out of a life of obedience, not a life of failure. This is voluntary obedience to Jesus. That's what it looks like. See, we've missed it, haven't we? Haven't we missed it? When we get start suffering these little mosquito bites, nuances in life where things just don't go my way that day, or my, that guy said something that offended me, or they looked at me sideways, or I don't feel welcome in this church because you know people don't come up and aren't friendly to me, or nobody sits with me when I sit down to eat with my plate of food, or... I'm lonely, or I was sick last week and had a fever, and nobody called me. And really? Really? We have no clue what the cross of Jesus looks like. We've taken up our own cross and made it look like this. And when this gets a little heavy and awkward, and my shoulder's tired, and I ask you to take it, and you say, no, thank you. What's the matter with you, you lazy fella? Well, you don't want to share in my little uncomfortableness here? 
Well, you must not even be a Christian. I guess I'll do it by myself. All by myself. See, nobody else follows Jesus the way I do. All this hard life of preaching and praying. You know, shoveling the sidewalks every time it snows. And nobody else comes around, does it? Well, I had to do all that. I told Brother Lee Yoder, I told you I was preaching out of my own struggle. I told Brother Lee Yoder yesterday or the day before, I have no clue. Paul said these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 7, and because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Boy, the cross will do that to you. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Jesus did that too. He went to the garden and begged his father, please, not this. Is there any way around it? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Once he surrendered, he found this to be true. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. My power is perfected in your cross. Your death, your criminalization, not your mosquito bites. I'm talking about your acts of obedience to Jesus Christ that puts your own flesh to death, that crucifies all the pride within your heart and humiliates you, and people call you all kinds of insults and frustrated people are frustrated with you. They, they're sure you're not a Christian. Paul says this, most gladly, therefore, after he gets these words, he does exactly what Jesus did when his father said, no, Judas is here. Jesus, Judas is here. Go. Be betrayed with a kiss. Jesus went. It was over. No more argument. That's why he was so quiet. The surrender was complete. The fight was over. Here's Paul. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I'll tell you about my struggle with preaching, how humiliating it is, with sharing the gospel with my neighbor, with encouraging my brother, with taking on the reproaches of my wife, or my children, or my parents. That Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content. Have you found contentment here? What was he content with? With weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, 
with persecutions and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Have you found that contentment? If you have, you won't pray for deliverance anymore. That's the life that's been given me to take up daily and follow him. The fellowship of his suffering to fill that up so that in all of my weaknesses, he is strong. Any volunteers? Jesus is inviting you this morning. Jesus is inviting you into this life. Apostle Paul or Jonah, you're going to have it one way or another when you leave these doors this afternoon. You've heard this now. Too bad for you. You can't get away from it. Christ has spoken into your life. You're the fisherman by the seashore of life. You're the tax collector in your busy life. But now you heard the words of Jesus. And either you will get overwhelmed and swallowed by life and eventually die a bitter person, frustrated, even when you do the work of God. You do it begrudgingly, preaching the gospel. Why do I have to? Why can't I be normal? Or you most gladly will make others glad in God. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Your risk will be high. You will fail often in front of everybody. But your joy will be full. Brother Lee, do you have anything to share? Or anybody else? I asked Lee, I said, if he's going to come today, maybe he has a few words to share because he's living this life. I'll share a few things. Uh, I couldn't help but think about a few things after you mentioned that. So the thing that's been on my mind here recently has been to elevate two things. One, my esteem of Jesus. The other, to raise my value of communion. And so I'm just going to talk about... Uh, Jesus, and uh, several years ago, somebody said, uh, you know, we like Jesus to bless us, but have you ever thought about blessing him? I said, wow, that's a new one. How can you do that? Well, he said, Psalms 103 tells you how to do it. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. And so I thought, 
If you read that, it is pretty amazing what that chapter says. Instead of thanking him for what he's done, which is good, but when you talk to him and say, you are this to me, it's different. To me, it was different. So, I just sat down and wrote out what he is to me. And I just went on and on and on. And that was a couple years ago. And I kind of forgot about it. So, I thought, well, I'll do that again. And it's just amazing how much it raised my esteem for Jesus because, you know, here he's a person that I haven't seen. So maybe some people have just a, it's very easy to have oh, abundant esteem and love for Jesus, but sometimes I struggle with it. But Psalms 103 helped me. So I'm just going to read a few. A few things that come to mind. I might sit down. Is that all right? My balance is a little off. Okay. He is the anchor of my soul. He is the lover of my soul. The keeper of my soul. He is my bright light in a dark world. He is the word of life. And on a little bit different note, he is a keeper of my circumstances too. And if I ask for... Uh, Give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Sometimes I see those circumstances in a different light. Because I found out he's involved in all of them. I look back over my life and how many times my flesh or the devil. Sometimes I don't know which is which. I could have been in a dark hole if I made the wrong went down the wrong path. So, uh, how that, how he kept me from it, I sometimes don't know. But, talk about circumstances, uh, something kind of interesting <laughs> happened yesterday. Uh, my wife just had a, she had, she had a test that kind of was tough on her. So, uh, uh, she, <laughs> she she was just in hurting so much and uh, 
So much so that she thought she might have a blood clot, so went to the emergency room. Uh, and uh, she was hurting so bad, she's just crying. So <laughs> we, we got into the doctor's office. <laughs> Talk, now, we're talking about circumstances, how he's involved in And uh, she was still kind of crying a little bit. The staff was very friendly, and that was very helpful. But then I looked down, and I had one shoe like that, and I had a different shoe on. (laughs) And she looked at that and started laughing. (laughs) She laughed the rest of the time. Now, who was that? I sure didn't do it. They were completely different. You think I was walking bad? And now, I was really walking bad. <laughs> so, so the doctor was laughing. She had to text everybody. <laughs> so you think I orchestrated that to circumstance? No. But, it, you know, it's, it was it was perfect at the time. So... Anyway, what can I say? So little phrases that might help, that have helped me, is he's got my back. Now I'll tell you one I shared with, with Pastor Phil. I have a nephew that stutters. He's he, he just fun. He stutters, he's fun. And he works in Washington, D.C., and he lives in Baltimore, and he takes the train to work, and he lives in the inner city of Baltimore and in the, in the ghetto. And uh, so he rides his bike a lot. So one time he was uh, riding his bike, and somebody cut in front of him, and he went flying over the hood, broke his neck. And the guy that cut in front of him was just so apologetic. He came up, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He says, don't worry, God's got me. He's got me. Don't worry. Isn't that something? Here he had three broken vertebrae. So that that helps me. You know, it talks about when you trust him, he, he, guide, he shields you. And so just a little phrase like, Hey, he's got me. Good. So thanks, Pastor. I don't I won't overdo it like I did last time. <laughs> Colleen was sitting right there. She says, shut, shut up. <laughs> you remember that, right? <laughs> well anyway, thank you. Thank the Lord. I hope whatever I said honor Jesus because without him, <laughs> believe me. I would have nothing. I don't have to shut this thing off. You don't have to take over here. Okay. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Brother Phil and Lee, for sharing that. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, I guess kind of 
being with that being said, um, yeah, I'd like appreciate that encouragement Brother Phil had for us. Are we wanting to follow Christ? And, uh, you know, to be able to take up our cross and follow him. And I guess with that, John and the Schroeder family is wanting to have a dedication for their son, their baby Jet. Um, so anyway, it's just it's a blessing that to see godly parents wanting to dedicate their children back to God. And so maybe at this time, the Schroeder family, if y'all want to come up, and then ministry team, whoever, grandparents, Gene or whoever, y'all want to come up. Um, anyone, anyone's welcome. So. <clears throat> Amen. Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. Men, you hold in your hands a precious soul who knows what the Lord has uh, in store for them, but the one thing you do know is Christ has set his love upon them. And I think as I watch you here holding your little son and your children around you, I think of Mary and Joseph holding baby Jesus. And as they Mary heard all these wonderful things that were shared about her son, yet she got to walk with him all the way to the cross. And you as parents will get to walk with your children, taking up their cross, following them. What a wonderful reward. <clears throat> Jean, do you have anything to share? Okay, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this little blessing that you've given us, new life. Lord, I just... Uh, Maggie and I, we, we give him back to you. We thank Amen, you for giving Lord. him to us. We thank you for this beautiful gift you've given us. Thank you that he is a perfectly healthy little boy. And I just pray your love and your grace and your peace upon his life, Lord. I pray that you will put a hedge of protection around him, Lord, that you will yes. keep him safe from all evil, dangers, and harms that may want to come his way. I pray that he will grow up to be a man after your own heart and that Everything he does and says would be to honor and glorify your name. We just dedicate his life to you, God. We thank you for him so much. In Jesus' name. Jane, would you pray? <clears throat> Father in heaven, another child. It's nothing for you to create children and all the things of life. What will this little boy do? Who will he be? What will he do? I pray that you'd give him grace in his life to make good decisions. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for a sweet little jet. Yes. And the precious gift that he is, not only to the Schroeder family, but to all of us. And Jesus, I thank you so much for him and for um, that he was born 
healthy and that Maggie is doing well and God that you answered our prayers and I just pray God that you would use him in a mighty way for your kingdom that he would be as an arrow father sent out to proclaim the good news of the gospel to a lost and dying world and Jesus that through his life many would come to know you yes I pray you would protect him father protect his heart protect his body and um, watch over him every step of the way and his siblings and his mom and dad too as they walk on this journey of life that you would just put a hedge of protection around them and that your spirit would guide them in all things as they raise him and as they love him god we thank you for him and we give him back to you father thank you so much that we have this opportunity lord to thank you and praise you for another life lord that you have created and the one that we um, get to experience now and to enjoy. But, Lord, I just pray that as this young boy grows up, Lord, that he would just follow you with all his heart. And, Lord, that you would give Maggie and John wisdom in yes, how they amen, train Lord. him and, and teach him, Lord, that they would give him the knowledge of Jesus Christ, knowledge yes. of the gospel, and, Lord, that his wisdom would come from you and that he would seek after you, and, yes. Lord, that he would humble himself and allow himself to be used by you in every way that you require of him. And Lord, that he would look not upon the things of this world or the things that um, come across his path or that look inviting here, but Lord, he would look to the things of you and that he would, as Soretta prayed, Lord, that he would teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to others and that he would be faithful in all his ways. And Lord, that your righteousness would be his, his goal in all things. And Lord, just thank you so much for all of this. And I just pray that you would walk before him in his life as only you can. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, so much for this dear soul, for Jet. Father, thank you for answering prayers and bringing him safely into this world. Amen, Lord. Father, I just thank you for Maggie and John and the rest of the family and how he is so loved and so cared for. Lord, what an example of your love and how it flows out through the lives and hearts of other children, Lord, his brothers and sisters as they love on him. And I just pray that he would come to know you at a yes. young age and that he would surrender his life to you and, <clears throat> and love you more than anything else in the world. And Father, I pray that you would give John and Maggie much wisdom. Father, as parents, we seek your face every day for wisdom and grace and and just uh, love, your love to raise these dear children that you give to us, to yes. give them back to you, Lord. Father, we know they are the only things that we get to take with us, Lord. And I just pray that together we can encourage one another and, and be there for each other. And I just thank you for them and pray that you would bless them today as a family. In Jesus' name. Amen, Father. Thank you for... This sweet little soul that you blessed John and Maggie with <clears throat> and their family. Father, you know the purposes and plans that Satan has, uh, attempts that he has made already to destroy his life, to destroy their relationship or their faith, Lord, in you through all of these circumstances. Uh, and, and, and in the future, Lord, as he grows and as their children grow. But I thank you, Father, that... Lord Jesus, that you died and you rose again and you paid the penalty for all their sin and you now are their high priest. 
a high priest of their souls, making intercession before the Father, even right now. And so that's why we're here. We're just joining you, Lord, in making intercession for this precious little soul and for the Schroeder family, and that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, even at this age. Fill him with your Holy Spirit, we pray, and anoint him with your grace and your truth, and preserve his soul, Lord, as we heard from Brother Lee, that you preserve our souls. Oh, bless Brother John and Sister Maggie with wisdom and grace and do a deep work in their hearts through the lives of their children, Lord. I pray that you would bless their home and make it a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. That they, you would proclaim your life through their lives and their love for each other. Keep them from the evil one, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name. Father, I just want to commit... uh jet into your hands father lord i just pray you be be with him go before him lord and lord i just pray out um pour out your blessing on john and maggie lord as a parent we only get to do this once and lord we need your help daily and lord i just pray you give them wisdom and discernment in in knowing how to raise jet in a godly way and also for the other children and i just Thank you for their testimony. Um, Lord, I just pray that you uh, continue to be with them. Lord, keep your angels over them, Lord. And, Lord, there will be days ahead, you know, like, why this, why that, Lord? But, again, we just turn to you, and we just commit him to you, Father. And I just pray that, uh, yes, you also be with the other children in the the joy that he has brought to the family and to each of us. And Lord, I just um, continue to guide and direct their lives. And also just be with Jet, Lord, in his um, days to come. Lord, I just pray that he w- you would, um, the day that he would uh, heed to you, Father, and, and heed your calling. And Lord, I just pray that... Uh, yeah, that he'd be a, a godly man for your kingdom. Thank you for, again for your your goodness and for your love. Amen. Thanks everyone for coming. Uh, glad you are here with us. Um, so yeah, come to the close of the service. So please do hang around. We got a food uh, over here prepared, so um, please do join in that. Why don't we all stand and we'll have a, a, ben- a benediction and a blessing on the new meal. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for your love and your goodness to us. Lord, it's because of you that we are here gathered in this way. And Lord, I just pray that you be with us in this coming week. The words that we've heard this morning. I just pray that in the name of Jesus, the powers of darkness be defeated as we leave from this place. Lord, I just pray a protection over each and every one here. Lord, if we're going through financial hardship, physical hardship, spiritually, whatever it may be, Lord, I just pray that you be near to each and every one. Lord, I just... Like it was shared, your mercies are new every day. And we thank you for your faithfulness. 
We thank you for the physical food that has been provided. I just pray you bless the hand that have prepared it. Bless it to our bodies. Bless our time together, Lord, uh, as we sit around these tables and fellowship. That, Lord, your name would be honored and glorified. Thank you again for your your mercy and your love. We ask this all in your name. Amen. We're dismissed.